Hi, welcome back to Talking Your Way to Change. This is Dr. Banker. Today's episode is Understanding Intimacy Stumbling Blocks Through the Lens of Attachment, Part 2 of a two-part series. To get us all back on the same page, let's use some fictionary Disney princess iconic characters to depict both the anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Anna and Elsa from Frozen. Credit goes to others who have made these comparisons before. These two are remarkably relatable to this discussion. After an incident in which Elsa accidentally harms her sister, Anna, as they are playing, the path that the family chooses to rectify the situation is separation and isolation for both girls. Elsa has been told to keep her powers hidden and to not engage in healthy relationships with others, including her sister. Anna, who becomes anxiously attached, is ever seeking connection and attention from Elsa. As she sings, do you want to build a snowman? Come on and let's play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. We used to be best buddies. This song depicts what we consider protest behaviors, behaviors used to engage the other. We might plead, act out, pick a fight, essentially make attempts for connection at any cost. Elsa depicts that avoidant attachment style who keeps herself shut away from the world in a kingdom of isolation. Finally, after years of hiding, she decides to embark out into the world all by herself and builds a magnificent ice castle to live in, in which she smugly tells us that the cold never bothered her anyway. Which reflects the tendency that people who have an avoidant attachment idealize their aloneness as fierce independence. They don't show their feelings. They minimize physical contact. They stop listening to their partners and can act quite hostile. Keep in mind that the person with an avoidant attachment style does crave intimacy. And we know that children with this attachment style, although they do not outwardly show distress, are very aroused when their caregiver leaves and after he or she returns. Having an insecure attachment style is exhausting and it limits our potential for satisfaction and stability in our friendships romantic relationships, and careers. Although these working models tend to be constant in our lifetime, they are malleable. Neuroscience has told us that neurons that fire together, wire together. This means the more you run a neural circuit in your brain, the stronger that circuit becomes. This is where the distinction between our brain and mind keeps us from believing that we are prisoners to our past. Dan Siegel's work in interpersonal neurobiology has taught us that although our brains are an organ, our minds are energy and information that is within ourselves and between ourselves and others. Our minds are not a thing, an object. Our minds are a process. I want to say that again. Our minds are not a thing. Our minds are a process. And when we can change our minds, we begin to change our brains. We can focus our attention on the faults of our partners 
and experience and define their behaviors as clingy or abandoning, and thus deepen those brain pathways that stem from our childhood wounds. Or we can consciously focus our minds on what we appreciate. However, as much as we want to delete those brain pathways that continue to harm us, change and healing take time and effort and resolve. As a therapist, I witnessed that disqualifying, denying, or minimizing our past hurts, losses, and traumas do not lend to the type of healing one needs to earn a secure attachment. But let's talk about what does. Okay, the first step is to identify your own attachment style. There are books and quizzes, or most effectively, explore this area in therapy or with a close friend or a partner who has known you for many years. Second step, make a commitment to become more conscious of how you show up in relationships and have someone whom you can be accountable to, a friend, a partner, a therapist. Third, learn and educate yourself about what a secure attachment looks like. You might have couples that you know that you really respect. Watch and observe what you notice. Couples in secure attachments are available to each other. They are responsible for their partner's well-being. They act encouraging to their partner's interests and areas of growth, and they don't interfere. They communicate their needs, and they have some skills in resolving conflict. Four, heal your past and create a coherent narrative of how your past relationships have been shaped and how they shape your capacity for intimacy today. What do we mean? Within the supportive relationship of a therapist or friend or other, you honestly look at and talk about your early experiences and your growing up years, particularly events that were significant whether or not you are conscious of the intensity of the feelings and or the arousal that might have occurred at the time. You want to embark on a journey and give yourself the space and time to engage your mind, heart, and body in how you tell your stories. Step five, after identifying some of your vulnerabilities that might be preventing you from establishing more secure relationships, just pick one and decide you're going to respond differently. I'll give you some examples. Okay. For the avoidant attachment style, stop spending time thinking about your partner's faults or communicate to your partner that you're likely to need some separation after having times of increased closeness and tell them, Hey, this is a story about me. This is not a story about you. Uh, third, you could stop idealizing your independence and thinking you're the envy of others because of your freedom. You're not. Four, you could develop more realistic expectations about partnerships. Five, you could increase your capacity for empathy about how you are impacting others. Okay, for the anxiously attached style. One, realize if you become attached to a partner who is avoidant, your attachment system is going to be activated frequently, and this causes highs and lows that can become addictive. That highs and lows are not love. More likely, it is the dopamine in your system. 
Second, you could work on not prioritizing your partner's needs above your own for fear of losing your partner. You could work at being okay if you are hurt or disappointed without generalizing to the entire relationship. Four, you could acknowledge that your sensitivity to your partner's moods are not direct correlates to how your partner feels about you. And finally, for either um, insecure partners, educate yourself on healthy couples who report feeling satisfied. So the Gottman Institute offers tons of information for both therapists and couples that are based on years of research. Here are a few of my favorite myths that they have debunked. Number one, couples who are happy and satisfied don't keep score. They build connection and strengthen their relationships by freely offering each other positive overtures and support. Second one, around conflict. Conflict is not a sign that you're in a bad relationship. All relationship conflicts cannot be resolved. In fact, 69% of conflicts are perpetual. The goal with conflict is not to resolve it, but to manage it. And number three of my favorites, what separates the masters from disasters is that the masters know how to repair after conflict, after fighting. They know how to say, I'm sorry, or I love you, or start laughing in the middle of an argument, or come back. Sometimes it won't even be a verbal gesture. Maybe it'll just be that, you know, a couple hours later, they might put their hand on your shoulder. That's a repair. One last suggestion I have as I close this episode and say goodbye is just that this, how important it is to say goodbye. If you think about building blocks for secure attachments, it's imperative that you learn how to acknowledge the coming and going in your partnerships. Create rituals in how you say hello and goodbye. Good morning and good night. What I like to think of as the bookends. All of these foster a secure attachment. It doesn't have to be elaborate or even romantic. Our family ritual upon coming home after having been gone is to shout, Changu, which is a made up word that means greetings, I'm home. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I need to alert you that this podcast is not meant to be a substitution for mental health treatment. Although we talk about psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. If listeners are interested in pursuing therapy, I would refer you to psychologytoday.com backslash US or your insurance carrier network. Okay, thanks again. Until next time.